Welcome to Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Each week, we explore down and dirty ways to stop awfulizing, catastrophizing, going down the rabbit hole, and moving through all the craziness that is happening right now. We're here to create a community of like-minded people as we give you tips, tricks, and techniques for keeping sane in an unhinged world. And now, here are your hosts, Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Hey, everybody. This is Scott Grossberg, one of your co-hosts for the podcast, Keeping Your Shit Together in a Stressed World. And I'm here with my co-host, Michelle Post. Hey, Michelle. Hi, Scott. Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in again. Uh, thank you for joining us today. We are pre-recorded. For those of you who are listening on replay, you won't know any different. Uh, <laughs> So we really do appreciate you all being here. We've got a packed show today and some fun stuff coming up that we'll talk about later. Uh Um, Before we jump into today's topic of imprinting and hearsay, and I'll explain all that in a minute. um, You know, we take the first part of the show customarily and we talk about things going on in the world. And one of the things that I've noticed with clients, uh, (laughs) with everything going on out there, yeah. they've lost what I call their authentic voice. If oh. in fact they ever had it. Oh. And by that, I mean, they, they actually don't know who they are, what they stand for, what they stand against. Mm. Um, you know, we've had, we've, we in the United States have had a very divisive last few years. Yeah. Multiple years. Yeah. And there are threats that that will be coming again in yes. the next couple of years. Sure. And there's you, current financial instability in the market. And now you couple that with everything that's going on out there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at one point, everybody was an infectious disease expert. Mm-hmm. Now everybody isn't an, an expert at military strategy. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and uh, then you've got the doomsayers and the like. And setting aside people with, with personal agendas, and there certainly yeah. are those, the special interest folks. What, what I'm tending to find is that people have just kind of lost that sense of self. And yeah. this is going to tie in with today's show, by the way, uh, it, that, that'll make sense as we get into the, the main thrust of the show. But I'm wondering, Michelle, have you noticed that maybe even with yourself that there's when and when I say your voice, uh-huh. I'm, I'm not talking about your brand or the way you put your mask out in the world. Right, right. I, I, I'm, I mean... That part of you that's just that's just the real you, and again, right. what you stand for and what you don't. I go back to the the uh, the network movie where the broadcaster gets so mad and he sticks his head out the window. Um, oh, I'm mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's uh-huh. like that's an authentic voice. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, you know, if I can get personal. Um, Today, I met with Fran Solomon and, and was a guest on her podcast, Let's Talk Death. And that sneaky and she's going to be on our show. She is on March 21st. She's going to yeah. be our guest. And so that sneaky lady looked at my website, postinternationalinc.com. And she's like, tell me about this little small voice that's asking for more. And she caught me off guard. And I was like, I mean, I remember at the time when I wrote that I was moving from corporate into wanting to create my own thing. But what came to me today, which, cause we just recorded today was actually remembering a couple things like my grandmother and how inspired I was by my grandmother. And this time in my twenties, when I was 
uh, near death and, and found myself bargaining with God. If, if I live, I promise to make my life of use and of service to other people. And I hadn't thought about that moment in a while. And I guess maybe that was a really cool moment where someone made me on live (laughs) video, you know, this is going to be unlike our podcast. It's also put on YouTube so you can actually see me. (laughs) And so on live video, I started crying, thinking about this moment in my life where I bargained for my future. And, you know, instead of doing something huge and creating a corporate thing that I could sell and scale and et cetera, I decided to live a life of community service and social support. Um, So I wonder if sometimes we have to ask ourselves, we have to sit with the pain of what am I here for? Yeah. Well, and and really soul search. Now you are in my realm, right? This is where I work with with, with (laughs) folks all the time. Uh And it's existential stuff. It's well, you know, I'm a philosophy major, so I can be as existential with you as the next guy said, no one ever. (laughs) Um, And, and the the reality is my philosophy teachers in college, by the way, used to hate me because I would show, I would show up in class and I'm sorry, I just cut through the crap. And it's like, we can talk okay. about this and we can talk about that. And it's like, well, how about, I'm very practical. I'm a very practical philosopher. Okay. And I'm very results-oriented. Okay. And, you know, to be or not to be, we'll use Shakespeare's oh. thing. It's like, how about you, we just, we're here. How about we just be? Um, <laughs> I and I know, I and, and, I, and I know it was a suicide thought, but it, it's, yeah. you know, the, the, the I, I guess what I'm ultimately saying is, I find clients uh-huh. fret so much over purpose, they forget to live. Oh, that makes sense. And right. uh-huh. it, it's like, well, I don't have a purpose. I don't have my why. Nobody has taught me this. And uh-huh. Uh-huh. instead, I invite all of our listeners as, as an interesting experiment. I okay. invite all of our listeners to take a step back and simply say, what do you want to do today? Yeah, just make it really simple, right? Here and now. And and to make things even more simple and yet right. more more profoundly powerful, what if you started measuring your life by how much happiness you have in it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Instead of how many, how much money, how many likes, mm-hmm. how many, you know, how many cars, mm-hmm. how many shoes. Mm-hmm. Now, if those all bring you happy, joy, I'm mm-hmm. cool with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But we've all, you know, you and I, Michelle, have seen many people filthy, stupidly rich yes. who are unhappy. Sure. Um, and, and many people who live very leanly who are happy uh, and vice versa, right? Because there's, there is that it, um, Michael Beckwith saying it's hard to think about enlightenment when you can't pay the light bill. Right. So there, but all that research is, you know, $75,000 a year salary is the highest blip that you get in terms of happiness above that, that there's diminishing returns in happiness in terms of how much you make. Well, and, and again, I'm going to, I'm going to call a little bullshit on that. Okay. Um, because there, there is something to the saying, anybody who says money can't buy happiness has never had any money. (laughs) there is that yeah, yeah. And, and it i'm not i'm not suggesting that it 
that that is the end all and be all. What, mm-hmm. what I am, what I'm saying is, what if you started measuring your life by how much happiness you have in it? I, I agree. And, and if you'll do that, you start to realize, right? My word for the year, gratitude. You start mm-hmm. to realize how much you can actually live without right, and still be happy. That's and right. if anything has come out of COVID and this shutdown and the right. social and physical distancing, it's right. my goodness, we have learned to live without a lot. Yes, yes. And we still thrived and we still endured and we still made it through and mm-hmm. we're connecting again. And yeah, the world is a little dark right now. That's why this podcast is here. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I, I can tell you what part of my purpose is and that teaching every day to open my eyes and say, I'm here, I'm enough, and my job is to be happy. Okay. What if that's your purpose? Just be here and be happy. Oh, I, I mean, I love it. You know, we can spread a lot of peace just by learning to be peaceful within ourselves. Start with you, right? Yeah, the change. What, what, what is it Gandhi said? Be the change. Be the, be the change. Mm-hmm. Just be the be happy. Be the change. Be if the you're happy. Poor, you know, if you're worried about war, are you really not at war with yourself? Can you find peace in the middle of everything that's going on? Yeah. Some I mean, sense I mean, of peace. I went back, actually. It's interesting that you say that. I found some of my old journals the other day. Yeah. And one of the things I had written in there, and I'm not going to go into the why I had written it, but one of the things I had written in my journal was I'm good at war because I love peace so much. Oh, interesting. And that's a little different approach than people wanting aggression. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, one of the things that you can ask yourself if you are discomfited by everything that's going on in the world then freaking get off your chair and do something don't mm-hmm. whine about it don't come don't mm-hmm. complain about it don't commiserate mm-hmm. there are lots of non-scam organizations out there uh, mm-hmm. that, that are doing some really phenomenal work there are mm-hmm. things that you can do to draw a line or set a boundary or stand against or whatever you want to do mm-hmm. Which, and again i'm not asking you to take a particular position take a position Uh uh Uh, because when we sit back and do nothing that doesn't do anything for your happiness Mm -hmm. and i i firmly believe i'm i know i'm pontificating here i firmly (laughs) i firmly believe that happiness is not something that happens to you Mm. it's something we do it's something we do something we choose Uh, yeah choose happy i said that's what i say you know Mm -hmm. go back to the whole biblical choose life, right? Mm-hmm. I have set before you, blah, blah, choose happy. Mm-hmm. How would your life be different if you chose happy? And mm-hmm. so one of the things with this authentic voice thing that I started exploring with, with the clients who have that issue mm-hmm. is how about we go back to what makes you happy? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if anybody's listening to this, one of the techniques I use to try to help people figure out what makes them happy is I ask them, to do a letter writing or doodling with their non-dominant hand, which uh, we believe in sort of psychodynamic therapy, that your non-dominant hand isn't as protected and defended as your writing hand, as your dominant hand. 
And so just having a conversation back and forth between you and your younger self, what makes you happy? What do you, what do you like to do? And writing back and forth can help you reveal a couple of, a couple of things about what you might need more of in your life to bring you some more joy. Yeah. Um, so again, I, things may get a little worse uh, as we progress through these, these interesting times, for lack of a better way to, to put it. And as such, if you're feeling frightened and if you're feeling down and if you're feeling scared and if you're feeling insignificant and you're feeling like you've lost your purpose, lost your voice, um, maybe the idea would be useful to stop thinking about it as a purpose uh-huh. Loaded and, question. Mm-hmm. And it, right. It's like, because that presumes you have to have a purpose. <laughs> and maybe it would help everybody instead to have a point. Ah. Right. There's a little different. A purpose is something I believe that works through you. Okay. And I actually do believe everybody has a purpose. Okay. And that we are all living that purpose. You might not know what it is. And I think it's okay not to know your purpose. Okay. But to have a point is a little different. Yeah. You have a point, you make a point. And, and by the way, if you if any of you, at least when I was a kid, they had this movie out called the point. Oh, and it's a, and I don't want to ruin it. You guys can go look up, uh, this it's an animated short film and it's just called the point uh and i think everybody will like it and it it makes my point and that is there's there's a distinct change in your life if you simply say here's what i'm going to do today this is the Mm -hmm. point of today the point of today yeah okay i can get behind that Okay, cool. <laughs> and how did you feel like that that applied to imprinting and hearsay? Well, so here's the interesting thing. And I, I want to okay. start, I want to start, as my father would say, bass backwards. Okay. Um, <laughs> speaking of imprinting, right? I've got these voices <laughs> in my head, and they're my father sometimes. Mm. That's one of them, bass backwards. As a lawyer, one of the things that we learn first and foremost in rules of evidence is hearsay. Okay. And I'm not going to get into this as an argument with lawyers as to whether it's really hearsay or not. I don't care. Okay. okay. <laughs> but here, here's the standard thing when they talk to us about hearsay, which is an out-of-court statement offered for the truth of the matter asserted. That's hearsay. Uh, okay. Somebody says something, it's out of court, and it's offered for the truth. Um, so one of the things that we first learn is your name is hearsay. Most people didn't name themselves because I wasn't there when they actually named me. I mean, I was there, but I can't remember it. Is that what you mean? Well, you may not have even have been there. Oh, it's true. They could have. Well, actually my parents did decide before while I was in the womb. (laughs) (laughs) Depends on whether you consider that there or not. (laughs) Existentially you were there. Oh, but it was Um, my first act of rebellion because the doctor told mom I was supposed to be a boy. So I was supposed to be Michael and I came out a girl. There you go. And so they quickly shifted it to Michelle. The last act of rebellion. The last great act of defiance. Came out with a vagina. (laughs) And here we are. That could be a whole nother show. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> so with that in mind, the idea is this hearsay, right? Uh-huh. You learned that your name was Michelle. I learned that my name was Scott. Yes, that's true. We carry it with us. Yes. And I'm going to go back to a similar idea okay. with, with imprinting. And that is the concept. Have you ever noticed that songs from your youth, songs from when you were little, they're just like freaking with you forever. They're like yes. earworms. Yes. And peanut, when you hear peanut butter and jelly, first you take the peanut and you spread it, you spread it. Yes. And when you hear them, <laughs> they immediately bring back these wonderful imprints. Yes. yes. And then you hear new music today and you go, what the hell is that crap? <laughs> okay. True. Right. It's happening to me. I'm getting old. I, I suggest and submit to everybody that when we talk about imprinting and hearsay, uh-huh. and even the discussions that we had before, how much of your life is actually not your life? Mm. How much of it has been carried forward mm. from your parents, mom and dad, right? Your, mm. your, your divine feminine energy, your divine masculine energy. Mm-hmm. And if you want to get into Native American constructs, how much of this actually goes back seven generations? Mm. How much of this can be epi or transgenerational? Oh, yes. How much of this can be transmitted through DNA? Yeah. How much of your own thoughts are actually your own? It's right. an, it's a, it's a fast for the, for people like you and me. Right. It's a fascinating uh, discussion because when I hear clients call up and say, I don't know who I am anymore. I've lost my voice. Right. One of the first things that goes through my head is, did you ever have one? Right. Right. Or is it a muddled bit of absorption, like a sponge through your life where you've just been absorbing the stories? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, it's uh, like, who taught you that? That's one of my who taught tools you in therapy. Who taught you that? Where did you learn that? Absolutely. And, and mm-hmm. another one that I use is let's just use the the war in ukraine right now yeah um i have to by the way i do not watch world war ii movies i grew up with the stories i don't watch them oh with with one exception inglorious bastards oh Um, i don't watch them oh band of brothers i I, I, I would never saw it oh it's amazing um i was watching (laughs) uh the news the other night And we've gotten very brazen in our news today. Now they want to show an entire family being blown up. I know. I turned off the TV. I just, I get no way I'm going to watch. I'm not going to watch that. Okay. And again, I get that. And again, it's number one, I'm very visual. Okay. For the love of God, people, by the way, quit posting pictures, at least on my feed of dead animals. I don't want to see them. (laughs) You've said that before. I just don't want to see them. Um, and cause I can't get them out of my head and that's okay. really, it, that's actually, it's not judgment. I can't get right, them right. out of my head. Yeah. I don't yeah. watch scary movies, by the way, for the same either. reason. I just don't watch them. It's like, why would you want that kind of adrenaline rush? Oh, and so I love scary movies. I don't get it. I, I actually get it. I just, I can't resolve it uh-huh. okay. because it keeps playing in my head. And so. Yeah very long way of saying how much of the stuff that's going on when you cry whose tears are you actually crying are they yours or are you crying Mm. for this for the other person are they your Mm. tears or is it mom's tears Mm. 
Is it dad's tears? Is it dad's anger that you're mm-hmm. feeling? And so it's a, it's a fascinating. Mm. Um, I don't know, Scott, at the DMV this morning, it really felt like my anger. <laughs> this is, by the way, that this is where, and it's wonderful. <laughs> I have my anger. I have the things I stand for. I have the things I stand oh. against what we were just chatting about. And these are things that at least, you know, if it is imprinting, you can uh-huh. say that's, that's where I learned it and I'm adopting it. Yep. And be conscious about it. Sure. Or alternatively, because of cultural or environmental sure. situations, the stuff we learn, right. I mean, Pavlov was right. Right. Right reinforcement we, we we get these things and i was looking up by the way the whole concept of imprinting because i've used the term a lot i didn't realize where it came from oh um and it actually came about uh in the early 20th century from an animal behaviorist and that's where uh the, the man's name was conrad lorenz okay and he was studying geese of all things Okay. And then studying how hatchlings behaved and started imprinting from the mature oh, to the mama. Oh, yeah, yeah. And or like that cute little penguin that imprinted on the zookeeper or something. It was a video that was going around for exactly. a while. Exactly. And so thought what, it was its mama. That's mm-hmm. what happened with the rims. Mm. Eventually, because he was there studying them, some of the, the baby geese started imprinting on him and he on was him. the mama and they started following him around Aww. like the mama geese oh and one thing led to another and so it's just always fascinating to me that was it mark twain that said i've had so many problems in my life some of them actually happened <laughs> I, wow I, that led me into wondering how many of the problems that we have in our lives the worries the fears the concerns actually aren't ours yeah now that's setting aside that we make up shit that's setting aside the mind reading part right all these these okay logical distortions that you and i've talked about and the fallacies i'm saying and i use me as a great example of this um i grew up with a family that routine my family is partially from ukraine they grew up in odessa and Griargapol and some of the others, all these areas you're hearing about right now. That's where my family was originally from. They escaped when uh, Germany invaded and they were able to get out at that time, as were a lot of Jewish families at the time escaping what then was Russia. Right. I grew up hearing stories of not only the pogroms, but the atrocities that were taking place. Yeah. And the threat mother russia is going to come and take us back wow that was the overriding fear wow and what do you think that does in from an imprinting standpoint forget all the epigenerational stuff right forget that concept this is what i grew up with this is what i grew up hearing hearing what what do you do as a kid without the coping mechanisms of an adult who hear these things you hide you get yes. scared and you hide under yeah. the bed, under the headboard. You guys have heard that story many times. I know. Is it any wonder? I mean, there's a whole other issues, but you know, right. so, setting aside that, you know, I used to I, literally, I remember as a kid, 
older kid right. walking around. I remember at one point asking somebody, if things go really bad, can I have an Anne Frank room in your house? That's wow. how I, that's how I said it. Wow. Wow. Nothing ever happened. Right. But you can see how the imprinting, the stories, the myths, right. all right. of these things, that the angst of your younger years get carried forward. And back then, if you had asked me why I'm saying it, I yeah. don't know. I just have this overriding dread that something's going to happen. Right. Well, now I look back on it and say, it's actually no wonder. Right. In, in my family, like a, an alternative is we grew up very fire and brimstone Christian, like Jesus, the second coming of Christ, the mark of the beast, the, you know, that, that there are demons around you and angels around you, et cetera. And that the, um, that revelations would happen and that some people were going to be left behind to suffer. And I remember being like 11 years old and coming home and my dad and like everybody was gone, right? But the TV was on and all the lights were on and, and nobody was around. And I was convinced that the rapture had happened and oh, my whole no. family was gone and I, and, but not me. Cause I, I was a bad little kid. I was such a good kid, but you know, I had convinced myself, you know, because you can't ever be perfect enough. Right. Um, so I had convinced myself, everybody was gone and, and I was the only one and I cried and I was scared and, until I think it was like an hour and a half later, my mom came home, turned out my dad just ran out and left the TV on, ran out to do an errand. And uh, my brother had some kind of event after work or school. So he was gone late. And then when my mom came home, she just found me in a ball crying. Well, I, I'll tell you from a parent's, <laughs> I'll tell you from a parent's standpoint. And again, I, I'm saying this to all of you yeah. out there in listener land. Imagine what we've been doing. We didn't even know we were doing. I know. This, this isn't to place blame, but to understand how literal things happen as we're kids. Oh, um, yes. What, Your brain the, is very literal as one, a kid. One of the kids when they were little, and we've always been very embracing of all religions and all lifestyles and whatever it is. Let's just go out and let the kids explore everything and understand it and sit, be as the facilitator and moderator. But they're out there. And um, we let one of the kids go to church. How did it go? It was fine. And uh -huh. uh, later that night, she was crying. I mean, just in, in uncontrollably crying. Yeah. In her room. And it was like, what's going on? What's wrong? Please get him out. And I was like, oh. excuse me? I mean, what do you think is going to happen, right? Right. You're going to get protective and upset. What are you talking about? So what? here's what actually happened. Okay. As part of the Bible stories, et cetera, our daughter was told that Jesus was in her heart. <laughs> oh, oh, and she got scared. She believed there was a little person now living yeah. with her. Yeah. And she got scared. Yeah. And she was uncontrollably crying. And she wanted him out of her heart. Aww. There was nothing philosophical, religious. There was mm -hmm. no judgment. She had been invaded. She had been invaded. Oh, and it was scary. Oh. And so I, I point these out because, you know, the, the we always want to give people takeaways from the show that they can sure. put to use. 
Okay. Well, I'm going to tell a story about a little four-year-old that I met when his dad died. And part of our intake process at the time at the grief center was to say, um, you know, where do you think your person is now? So we would get a sense of what the child believed happened after death, right? So he's four. And this little boy, he goes, well, we put his body in the ground. And then my mommy says that he lives in my heart and he pulls his shirt out and he looks down his shirt and he goes, but I don't see him. <laughs> That's very funny. That's um, the cutest little thing. That it, again, we, we as oh, kids are very literal. literal. And so one of the things that I'm asking everybody to do is a big takeaway from today's show okay. is nothing more than if, if a thought occurs to you or an emotion arises okay. or a sensation happens that does not serve you well. Yes. That's a the negative. distinction. Uh, makes you sad, angry, afraid. Right. All know, these, these anxiety things. Mm -hmm. The question, the first question you ask is, is this even real? Is this even real? Absolutely. I'll go back to my Anne Frank room. We had right. no, not, we, we have in my lifetime, Nazi Germany has never come back to invade. Right. Not, not right, the right. United States, not certainly in Los Angeles. Right, right. Not, not here, right? <laughs> Right. My imagination had run away with me. So first right. and Where's foremost, the Anne Frank room? Mm -hmm. is, is, it, is it real? Um, and then number two, once you get to that is, where did I learn that from? Right. And if you can, and I'm sure you can explain this in CPT terms, terms. right? Mm -hmm. You basically go into this whole talk therapy thing with yourself. You can journal it if you want to. Right, right. But is it real? And where did I learn that from? Right. And once you figure out whether it's real or not, is there actually a physical danger to you? Is there right. actually a mental health danger to you? Right. Most of the time it will be no. Right. Which means if, if that's not true, then your fight, flight, freeze, or faint, your re reptilian response mechanism doesn't need to be there. It's, it's, in, over, it's in overdrive. Mm -hmm, overdrive. Mm -hmm. Then you ask, where did I learn that from? And then, and only then can you say, do I want to keep it? Is it serving okay. me in any way? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then if it's not serving you, how, how do people let it go? Well, I, I'm a big fan, by the way, uh -huh. of Byron Katie's work. And we've talked a little bit about that before. Yes. And it's literally called The Work. Uh, and I, I wish it's one of those things where I, re, I having, when I first encountered it, I went, oh my God, this is something I could have used and, used. and invented. <laughs> and I wish I had done that. I didn't. The beauty of this is it's free yeah, and she offers it readily on her website. So you can download it on her website. I think it's actually called the work.com and you get on there and it, it becomes as simple as you have this disempowering thought. And I have used this. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll use it as an example uh, with a, a friend of mine, alcoholic, pissed me off to no freaking end. <laughs> I didn't Is understand. Is that true? Just kidding. <laughs> oh, it's true. Uh, I, di I didn't understand why he was doing the things he was doing uh -huh. to harm, to harm uh -huh. himself and hurt others. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's That's rough. what went through my head. Right, right. So here's the question 
that, and I'm being very simplistic with it. We could probably do a whole show on this at some point, but okay. you know, I'm going to give you the very simplistic formula that I use with clients. Okay. And that is, okay, Scott, you, you are upset because this individual in your life is drinking to hurt mm -hmm. himself yeah. and Harming make others. the people, make the people around him suffer. Uh -huh. Is that true? Hmm. I don't feel that, that. It feels like it's true. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Okay. Okay. You, it, it's just answers, right? Right. Then the next question is, okay, can you absolutely know that that's true? Uh, well, no. the answer is no. No. Um, which then led me to the rule. And this is where I de deviate a little bit from Byron Katie. I deviated a little bit because my next one is, what's the rule at play here? Okay. Where, what have I learned from my past, my imprinting, my experience, wherever it came from? What's uh -huh. the rule that Scott's got going on in his head to put it another way? What's the should that okay. you have playing out? Okay. Right? The should all over yourself. What's the uh -huh. should? And it's real simple. People should not be alcoholics. Be, that, yeah. was, that was I the figured. rule. That was okay. the rule. You know, I used to work in the, the medical industry before uh, I, I was a lawyer thought I was mm -hmm. going to be a doctor. I used to be on the ambulance as, as a paramedic and, mm -hmm. pick, you know, I'd go to drunk driving accidents, DUIs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I had all these rules going on. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't tolerate it. People should not be alcoholics was my rule. Mm -hmm. Apply this. Is that true? No. Yes, of course. It's my way. In my head, it was <laughs> In yes. your head, it was yes. Uh -huh. All right, Scott, that's your yes. Can you absolutely know? That that's true and i really had to take a step back at that point uh -huh. and say wait a minute i can't absolutely know that's true right. scott has a rule right. and it was a real big turnaround for me just with that those two questions okay where i realized what the real rule was okay scott shouldn't be an alcoholic oh there we go there is no freaking rule that says anybody should or should not be anything. Right. And that then leads you then to the rest of her analysis. And I'll cut some of this short for sake of time today. But that leads to the rest of the analysis. And that was, hey, Scott, who would you be? How would things be different if that rule yeah. wasn't, wasn't there anymore? Who would you be if Michelle is not supposed to be an alcoholic? Uh -huh. If that rule didn't exist? If you took the fricking judgment out of it and mm. you know what, suddenly the compassion comes back. Okay. Suddenly the understanding, suddenly the God, maybe Michelle's using drugs, alcohol, sex, whatever they are. It's not only her own coping mechanism, but to mm -hmm. heal her own broken heart, to heal her own broken heart. Exactly. And, and then, you know, I, I took a long time with that and, and it, yeah. softens you right. it softens you to your imprinting and you realize some of this is just not right yeah it doesn't serve me well right and i, I don't want to get into the whole 12-step analysis because you know how i feel about all that uh -huh. I, I just don't understand some of it uh -huh. um, that doesn't make it right or wrong but it certainly ties in with it it's it's a more pliable self uh transformation tool Okay. So when you get these, these 
suboptimal imprints that come up. Okay. Um, from whatever source, we won't get into the origins of them. But when you get whatever that comes up, who would you be without that? And mm. would it serve you better to be this other person? Mm -hmm. Because that's the that's the beauty I have found with imprinting. Mm -hmm. and, and hearsay is it ultimately is a choice. Mm -hmm. Not always easy to implement, but it's still a choice. Right. Right, right. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like I'm following that philosophy and sort of, I'm thinking about all the people I know who have beautiful recovery from substance use oh, yeah. and how for them, absolutely, right, the only way to get there was to first have the addiction. Absolutely. Right? I've got dear friends and family who are, re, are in recovery. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Some have relapsed, many have not. Yeah. yeah. And I love these people. I mean, I, I love them dearly. Right. It, it's not my place to judge them. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. It. the imprinting and hearsay that can, you know, slowly creep in there and add to our sense of judgment really inhibits our life. Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up, it's, uh, I'll at least give a little bit. I grew up with an alcoholic grandfather. Mm hmm. So that's right. maybe where it came from, right? And could very well be where it came mm -hmm. from. And, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I used to see abuses of alcohol and thankfully not drugs that I'm aware of, but, right. you know, so alcohol's always been, a, it's funny. I, I sit there and even as I say that drugs has right. not been a, a big thing in my family life, but alcohol mm -hmm. has. Mm -hmm. And it, it, so it, I give this pushback and I can't even tell you where it came from, how I saw it, but certainly it is part of my family history. Right, right. And I'm presuming, presuming one or more of my great grandparents were probably. I, uh, I mean, I think um, addiction is so common. It, it's not, it's very rare for me to meet anyone, friend, colleague, or client, that if you go a little bit back in the family, you know, in the family history that you don't find some addiction in general. And I know that's not today's topic, but I think well, it, it, it is because I think that the addiction story mm -hmm. is what creates the imprints, right? Or it creates the hearsay that mm -hmm. I'm the, I, I'm the child of an alcoholic parent, right? Or I'm the child, I'm the grandchild of an alcoholic grandparent. It's, it's all part of this, this story that we tell ourselves consciously right. but more more disastrously unconsciously uh -huh. and so what uh -huh. i really wanted out of today's show was for listeners to be able to say why do i believe what i believe not mm -hmm. not this philosophical existential stuff mm -hmm. where the hell did you learn this mm -hmm. and, and don't you think even when it comes to the philosophical stuff that it still applies where did you learn that you don't know who you are or where did you, where did this come from that you don't know what your purpose is? You're not good enough, right? We, yeah. We, we, and we watch all, you know, I've watched it. We've got, uh, we've, we've got a fair share of, of daughters, um, you know, <laughs> to, to watch. Well, I've got, we've got a fair share of daughters and I, and I worked in an industry, okay. particularly trial lawyers, okay. and it is incredibly sexist. Oh, okay. I used okay. to watch season gender. i uh -huh. used to watch season trial lawyers look at female 
lawyers who were showing up and call them honey and dear and okay, sweetie, you'll be okay. And very condescending shit. Wow. Um, and you know, what do you do at that point? Right. If right. I stand up for them, then it's, they can't stand up for themselves. It just makes the whole thing self-perpetuating. Mm. And so it, it, and now I've got daughters who are lawyers and it's like, oh my God, let me tell you how to maneuver through this. Right. Um, and <laughs> right. so it, it, it's just fascinating to me. It, I was talking about alcohol, but it can be anything, right? Anything at all that we have carried forward from our past, from our youth. And you may not know that is going on. So uh -huh. ultimately, one of the things that can happen, I'm presuming someone can contact someone like you, Michelle, uh -huh. where you can use cognitive behavioral therapy techniques, yes, actually help them journal back or talk through back or mm -hmm. you know, session through mm -hmm. origins, the, what's their origin story, right, right. Or uh, sometimes we call it like your core belief. A go. lot of a lot of present day situations boil down to two main negative core beliefs. I'm not worthy. I'm not lovable. Yeah. There you go. There's the whole show. We should have started yeah. with that. <laughs> and those are imprints and hearsays that are negative and have negative consequences and need to be reworked in the neural pathway. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I would love to end my, my thinking with a quote from the movie Hugo, which says something like, um, machines never come with any extra parts, you know, trains take you to places and clocks tell the time. So I imagine the whole world was just one big machine, which means that I can't be an extra part and you can't be here. You can't be an extra part either. Oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. that's real. I'm gonna I'm, I'm not even gonna add to that that's very cool <laughs> so in terms of that underlining worthless helpless you know you're not an extra part people you're here you're here for a reason and and, and that's okay you're not nope. an extra part and and we're glad you're part of our show so thank exactly you. Mm -hmm. all right uh you want to you want to tell folks who's coming next week Yes, I'm super excited. So uh, next week on March 21st, I, I mentioned it at the beginning, we are going to have Fran Solomon, who is the founder of let's, uh, well, she's the founder of healgrief.org and actively moving forward the young adult version. And she has a podcast called Let's Talk Death. And so we're going to get down and dirty and talk about some grief and loss and, and help people through those losses they're experiencing in life. Perfect. So that's coming up. And then I think March 28th, we've got whose baggage are you carrying? Are you carrying other people's shit? Yep. <laughs> and that but very much a tie in with what we're talking about today. Um, mm -hmm. And that'll, that'll get us through this month. Yes. Very exciting. All right. Thank you all for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe, comment through your favorite uh, podcast platform provider. And until next week, be well. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've reached the end of another episode of Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. If you like our show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate our broadcast, and leave a review. The podcast is for general information only and not intended to be legal or mental health advice. 
nor the formation of a lawyer-client nor therapist-patient relationship. Stay tuned for our next episode, and thank you for listening.